0: Late Night Council is a production of Council Communications.
1: This is Late
0: Night Council.
1: This is big, dude. This is very big. There's definitely something here.
0: Apparently, it's a big deal. It's all over the news.
2: It's a real thing. A radio signal from another world. That's my grandpa. Well, wow, your story is very compelling. Your chance to make history.
1: That's pretty cool, I guess. Give
2: it to me straight,
0: John. You're in charge. Okay, summer is really over now. Okay, like it's September seventeenth. The kids are back in school. We're back in the groove. Football season has started. And if you're listening locally here in Ottawa, you know that we finally, we're finally we finally getting the summer here in Ottawa that we didn't have through July and August. Temperature's been like 26, 27 every day. For our friends listening in the States, that's like, you know, 78 to 84, you know? And it's just been, the weather here has been miserable all summer, okay? But in the last two weeks, it has been the most beautiful summer weather we've ever had. And I hope you're taking advantage of it. And uh, (laughs) I won't mention any names, but I was talking to a young mom with two kids, and she was not related to me, okay? And I asked her how she's doing. I am so thankful school has started. That's how she put it. Anyway. Uh, Welcome to Late Night Council. Welcome to Ask the Pastor. Uh, If you want to get yakking, and the the story I want to lead with tonight is kind of fun. I I can hardly wait to get to it, okay? But it's open line, open topic. If you're listening for the first time or it's been a while since you tuned in, I only do the Ask the Pastor show online now, okay? And so that means we can talk about whatever you want to talk about And I have no guests tonight, so I got time to take your calls and yak about whatever you want to yak about. If you're in the capital region, 343 700 4390. That's 343 700 4390. If you're calling from far away, exotic places like, I don't know, Sandwich, South Ontario, which is actually like a a neighborhood in Windsor. Uh, If you're calling from Hefzaba, Georgia. If you're calling from Japan, Missouri. Or Brigadoon, Maryland, 1-844-562-4766. That's 1-844-562-4766. All around the world, you can email us and you can get your message read as long as it's under six lines and as long as it's airworthy. JC at LateNightCouncil.com. JC at is the email address. You can tweet at me at J.W. Council. J.W. Council. Go to Twitter.com. Type in J.W. Council. You'll find all my tweets and all the stuff. And uh, pretty important. Um, every article that I'm going to be referring to tonight, this is one of the ar- nights where I've got, I, I posted all of them. Okay. If you want to get the background and the context and you want to uh, have it verified that I'm not quoting these things out of context, a lot of stuff I'm going to be referring to tonight, all of, all of it is available. If you go to uh, uh, JW council on Twitter, or if you go to the late night council, Facebook page, there are links to every article I am referring to and quoting from tonight. Okay. Good thing to keep in mind. 343-700-4390 in the capital region. That's Ottawa, Gatineau, Aylmer, Arnprior, Russell, and all points in between. 343-700-4390. If you're calling from outside that area code, one 562 4766 That's 1-844-562-4766. And I told you I was pretty excited about the opening story here tonight. Okay, Do you know the significance of September 23rd yet? Have you heard the news about September 23rd? That's this Saturday. Do you know what I'm talking about? Because if you do, listen, if you know the significance of Saturday, September 23rd, and you want to yak about it before I start talking about it, oh, we could have some fun tonight. In fact, I'm really hoping, I'm really hoping I can connect with people and and, and people will call in tonight that already know what is up with September 23rd, okay? Okay. I hadn't heard about it until two days ago, which is kind of embarrassing because I'm pretty in the know and pretty informed on things like this, okay? And if you do know, please, I don't mean to beg for calls, okay? Call in, okay? If you already know, I want to talk to you already, okay? In fact, it'd be really cool if somebody knows the significance of what September 23rd is all about and you want to call in right now and tell me, okay? I don't have any prizes to offer you or anything, but I just think that would be really, really cool because I would prefer a caller you know, if you get it right, I would prefer a caller review to reveal to my audience tonight what is so significant about September 23rd and why it's been in the news this week, particularly amongst churchy type people. Okay, particularly amongst people you know that uh, do the do the Bible thing and and do the. Oh, I don't want to give anyone any hints, but I'm going to have to because I don't have any calls coming in now. I don't want to keep you. I don't like to sensationalize. Okay, I, I like to produce and I like to give you. Good, honest, level—you know—conversation. Uh, 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 Maybe have a little bit of fun and great tunes, and 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 not too much overkill on the commercials. Okay. Now, before uh, I explain, though, okay, I am I'm totally, I'm totally all ears on this. I really want to hear what people's opinions are. And if you already know about September 23rd, I'm begging you right now, call right now, and and I want you to tell. I, in fact, I would like a caller tonight to tell the audience. What's what's up with September twenty third? I'll give you about maybe another thirty seconds while I'm giving the phone numbers out and then I'm gonna reveal to everybody. Oh John, stop it and just tell us for crying out loud. Three four three seven hundred forty three ninety in the capital region. That's 343-700-4390. If you're calling long distance, 1-844-562-4766. That's one 562 4766 Okay, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. You're too slow. Here we go. Jesus is coming on Saturday, September 23rd. Yes! Did you hear that? Jesus is coming on September the 23rd. woo What are you going to do? How are you going to live your week? Okay? Oh, John, you're being silly. Well, every once in a while, there's another scholar, there's another... You know, wannabe expert. Although this guy's pretty smart, where do I quote his credentials here? Okay, that's predicting the coming of Christ. And There's another one, and forgive me. Is it wrong for me to have a little fun with this? Because I, I mean, I've been dealing with stuff like this for for decades. Okay, and I I said it again to somebody today. I'm always telling people, ninety percent of my job as a as a pastor, as somebody who is trying to. Make the reality of, of the of the wonder it is to know Jesus Christ and have the wonderful life that He has for us. 90% of my struggle in promoting Christ and, and, and doing about His will is undoing the damage that that unscrupulous Christians have done. okay? And all Christians have done some stupid things, really heartless things, dishonest things, unchristlike things. And I'm one of those guys that picks up the pieces of the damage that, you know, that, 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 that Christians have done. Now, that's not all I do, but too much of it, too much of what I do is trying to, you know, uh, uh, undo the damage that, that people who call themselves followers of Christ have done, okay? And this is one of them, bozos always predicting and I don't know what it is. This just never goes away. You know, there seems to be generation after generation produces its, and they're all credible, all, oh, but they're so credible. And I want to get into some, you know, uh, stories from the past, of you know, how people have tried to pull this off in the past. But here's the latest, okay? And you can, you can check these articles out. I have tweeted them all out, okay, and they're on the Late Night Council Facebook page if you want to dig a bit deeper. As a matter of fact, if you want to have some real fun, in fact, if you go to the other articles um, and you read them before the end of the program, you may be shutting me down before I end the program tonight because, oh, you wouldn't believe the yakking on Google and on Twitter and on Facebook and Instagram and everything else and the and the mean-spirited nastiness that's going on over, you know, this latest prediction of Christ coming next Saturday, September 23rd. Get your tickets now. Okay, here we go. going to give you a bit of it here. An answers in Genesis astronomer analyzed biblical passages. Now, the, the date of this article. This is Stoyan Zemnov from Christian Post reporter. This is dated September fifteenth. This is only. This is forty eight hours old. This article. Okay. An Answers in Genesis astronomer analyzed. I'm aware of Answers in Genesis. That's a credible organization, a really good organization. So when I hear one of their you know guys is coming up like this, I'm rolling my eyes. And I'm saying, Oh God, please not again. Okay, here we go. An Answers in Genesis astronomer analyzed biblical passages and star constellations that some are using to suggest that Jesus Christ will return on September 23rd. That's this Saturday. Dr. Danny Faulkner, a researcher and speaker for Answers in Genia, Genesis and Jesus, who holds a, a a master an MS in physics that's a masters of science okay in physics from Clemson University defending NCAA you know football champions okay and a master's uh, and a PhD in astronomy okay so this guy's got a master's in physics he's got a, a PhD in astronomy okay from Indiana University wrote in an article this week that some are pointing to several clues. In the stars, okay? And I guess nobody would be, you know, giving this thing any credibility if it wasn't for the fact that this guy is really, really smart and he's put out work in the past that is quite credible, okay? The Express, now I don't know what The Express is, but it's got, in the article, it's got, if you click The Express, it'll take you right to their website, okay? And uh, a Christian Post Reporter is, is a pretty good news organization. It's pretty trustworthy where they get their stuff. The Express reported on Thursday, that's two days ago, that scores of YouTube doom videos and evangelical websites have been hyping up the idea that an astrological constellation on September 23rd matches Revelation 12, verses 1 and 2 in the Bible, which talks about the start of the rapture and the second coming of Christ. Okay? Especially you folks that have been around a while and have seen this kind of stuff before, let's all roll our eyes together now. Okay? Oh, boy, here we go again. You know? And I'm sure some of you that you've heard this, yet, and you haven't heard it yet, but somebody at your office or somebody at the workplace is going to, you know, hey, did you hear about that? Is that you You goofballs or believe that stuff? And they're going, oh, here we go, you know? Look, at, I, I believe Jesus is going to return. I really do, okay? You, you can't get away from that if you believe the Bible. He was emphatic about it, okay? It's all over the New Testament, okay? In fact... And we could get into quite a discussion on the, on the, you know, the, the, the dangers of, of predicting, but more than that, the second coming of Christ is pretty wild, okay? The way it's described in the Bible, and I've said this publicly, and I've probably gotten in trouble for it, it you know, in, in, in more traditional Christian circles, you know, if you believe that stuff, which I do, okay? That's some of the wildest stuff that, I mean, that's that's beyond, you know, uh, God creating the world and in, 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 in all of the universe in six days. This is, like, it's radical stuff. It describes Christ physically returning to the earth. It describes Christ taking up his followers to enter into some type of new age or, or new, like, uh, uh, heavens and earth. It talks about him judging evil forever and a day, Okay. It's radical radical stuff and when I say I believe that stuff I'm not in I'm not in you know I'm not just like passing it off as John do you realize what you mean? yes I do I really do believe that okay now I I was raised as some of you know my background my personal background I was raised in uh, well I think it'd probably be fair to call it a hyper fanatical obsession with the second coming of Christ okay I was raised in a Pentecostal home, Assemblies of God in the States, Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada here in, 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 in uh uh Canada, okay? And, I mean, oh my goodness, they would flog this like you wouldn't believe, and and I never, and I've made a point of this before on some previous broadcasts, I never, because I believe the entire Bible is the Word of God. There's a lot of stuff that bugs me, there's a lot of stuff that disturbs me, but I really, really do believe it is the Word of God, and, and it's it's the most credible and it's the most reliable work that we can base our life and our family and finances and relationships and everything on, okay? I'm sold on the product, Okay. And because I believe it's true, and because I believe it's authoritative, and because I don't feel I have to sell it, okay, I think it's a healthy thing. I think it's a good thing for us to just sit back and go, whoa, do you realize the implications of that? I mean – if you've been in a, in a good, healthy church, you've probably sat in some really good debates on what is truth and what isn't truth, and whether something's credible or not. And I, I'm one of those people that believes. Look, at if it's really true, it should be able to stand up under scrutiny. I don't always have all the answers for what's in the Bible, but I know the answers are there. And as I've researched and I've as I pursued this for a good, you know, 50 years now, um, you know, I'm still believing what you know is making more sense to me as I grow older. Now, I don't understand it as much as I'd like to, but my faith in the author of the Bible, my faith in the one who inspired the humans to write okay, the Bible is greater than it's ever been. So I do believe in the second coming. And even though I was raised in an environment where they would use the scriptures of the second coming to scare the living daylights out of us, okay. I mean, from the time I was eight years old to the time I was maybe 14, I'll bet every night... Every night, I had a nightmare about missing the rapture and all hell breaking loose, okay? And I was paranoid. It got so bad that I got my, my prayers at night were, God, please don't let me have any nightmares. And, and the fear-mongering was very, very real for a young child. But the point I'm trying to make is, and I've used this verse before— I never heard in a Pentecostal, evangelical, Bible-believing church, ever, ever, I never heard a pastor preach on the one verse that, in my opinion, is the most authoritative, and it is the wisest verse in the New Testament when it talks about the second coming of Christ, okay? And it's in Acts 1-7. If you've listened to this broadcast before, you know I've talked about it before, okay? In Acts 1-7, all the disciples, you know, Jesus is about, he's on, there on the Mount of Olives, they know this is it, he's about to ascend, he's risen from the dead, they've, they've communicated with him, they've had breakfast with him, they've spent some days with him, and they ask him, are you going to restore the kingdom now? You know, your second coming, all these promises that, you know, the Messiah is supposed to fulfill according to their understanding of culture in the Bible. And he says in Acts 1-7, he makes a statement, which is the most profound, that I've never heard any evangelical preach on. I've preached on it, okay? But I've never heard any other uh, evangelical preach on this. He said, it is not for you to know the times and the seasons that the Father has set forth for his coming, for my coming. But you, and we Pentecostals, we love this one. Boy, Acts 1-8, man, we are the whole, my whole fellowship that I that I came out of, okay? And I'm still very affectionate towards, Okay. Is based on Acts one eight pretty much. You will receive power. You know, stay here in Jerusalem, and you will receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses. Like we love that in the faith I came out of. Okay, and I'm still in to a great degree. Okay, we love that verse eight, but verse seven, all of even all the evangelical world, particularly in North America, it pretty well ignores it. Okay, it's not for you to know. So why, and I think blatant disobedience to Christ, do we knock ourselves out trying to figure out when he's coming back when what he wanted us to concentrate on was telling the story of the gospel and living the gospel? So when I see this come along, somebody's gotten out of whack somewhere. Somebody is is, 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 is giving way, way higher priority to, to a, a doctrine than Jesus did, Okay. I mean, Bible prophecy, the fear-mongering, and here's why, okay, the fear-mongering that goes on in Bible prophecy, that makes a lot of money. It moves a lot of product. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I've known Christians who can tell you more about the the ten toes on the image of Babylon, uh, Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon, in in the book of Daniel. They can tell you more about that, and they don't even know their neighbor's first name. Okay? You talk about screwed-up priorities. It's really, really messed up. I mean, the whole Left Behind series that Tim LaHaye and his co-author wrote, okay, that made them like a half a billion dollars. There's almost an insatiable appetite for Bible prophetic speculation. When our Savior, if you're a follower of Christ, he says it's not for you to know, and don't try to figure it out, you're only wasting your time. And I think it lessens the credibility of you know the whole gospel message, which is there's only one cure for sin. Go to all, listen to all the self help tapes you want. Take all the drugs you want. Be as rich as you want. You are not going to find contentment and happiness. There's only one cure for the human condition, and it is the blood of Jesus Christ that's been shed for our for our for the forgiveness of our sins. And the reason why Christ did that is because He hates sin with a passion, and He'd rather shed His own blood in a horrible death than compromise with it, because He wants to live and reign with us for forever. And he will not allow. He will not allow sin to go into that next new heaven or new earth. Okay, that's pretty clear in Scripture. And he knew that we couldn't do it on our own, so he paid the price. And remember, he's the one that's in charge of the economy. He's the one that determines, you know, what the price is because he's God. At least I believe it. You know, and whether you do or not, that's your choice, isn't it? Okay. I remember, and in, in, oh, in, some of you, and I've talked about it before, uh, the most credible, the most believable, the most well-put-together speculation on the coming of Christ was a guy down in the United States. His name was Edgar Wisnett, and you can look him up online and read all the commentary and all the people that got upset with him. He came out with a book in, well, in, the, in the spring of 88, said, 88 reasons why Jesus is coming in 1988. I mean, I literally saw hundreds of copies of those books, and I saw people in churches eating that up. I mean, they were just—and sometimes, sometimes I'm sometimes i really embarrassed that I'm an evangelical, you know? I mean, my, my, my Christ-loving, Bible-believing, and Bible-obeying, you know, Anglican friends, they look at us sometimes, just roll their eyes, what is with you guys, you know? Sometimes I'm embarrassed to be an evangelical, a a, a Pentecostal, a born—and this is one of them. When we go off on these crazy Bible prophecy rants, I mean, that's why I rarely use the term Christian, okay? Because Christians do such stupid things, such, you know, ill-thought-out things. And you'll hear me use the term often, follower of Jesus Christ, passionate follower of Jesus Christ. We're not perfect. We never said we were. But we know who is perfect, and that's who we're pursuing, and we're, we're we're learning how to do this. There's a real good video. Again, go online; you can get the background of it. I got a copy of it. It's called "God Save Us from Your Followers." And it's not. It's a very affectionate, you know, uh, open-hearted, uh, 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 kind of gentle rebuke on people who call themselves Christians who are, do not act Christ-like. And their top priority, like Jesus said it should be, is not loving God with all their heart, soul, and mind and loving their neighbor as theirself. self. It's, it's, I don't know, all kinds of rather crazy churchy stuff, you know? Look, at, the more you read the Gospels and you find out what Jesus is like, he's nothing like you've heard he was in church. He's way more interesting, and he's, he's very more confrontational as well. He, and I, One of the reasons why the symbol of Christianity is a cross is because it crosses us. We have a natural tendency to make Christ in our own image. Oh, the, you know, I want him to be this way. I want because I'm comfortable with that type of Jesus. He upset everybody where he went. He but he challenged people. He is going to come sometime. I wish it was right now. I wish the guy that's that's pushing this. I, I man, I wish he was right. I really do wish he was right. And I don't know what it is about. Uh, it, it, this kind of stuff is is bred mostly in North America. You know, really solid and passionate Bible-believing Christians in, in, in Western Europe, they don't get into this prophecy stuff. It seems to be a, 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 nor- a distinct to North American, uh, um, particularly evangelical Christianity. Maybe it's because, I don't know, we're into escapism. I know it makes money. People have got an insatiable un- appetite for this. And it really is embarrassing because I look on TV and the most, the most richest preachers that are there and what they're actually preaching, I scratch my head and I think, dear God, how do these people stay on the air? It's basically Christianized self-help stuff. And the ones that are really preaching the Bible and really declaring truth with compassion and love and having an impact on their neighborhoods and on their world, they don't usually get a big following. They don't. I got to take a commercial break. I got more to talk about this, and you may want to talk about it as well, okay? 343 700 4390. That's 343 700 4390. And uh, 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 I want to hear your thoughts on this. Maybe you might not agree with me. I don't know. But uh, I got more stuff on it, and, and, I, and I think uh, you can't be in denial over this when it's all over the uh, social media. So I want to talk a little bit about that and whatever else is on your mind. It will be open line, open topic. No matter what I bring up on the program, all the way to eleven o'clock, 343-743-90, 1-844-562-4766. If you're listening live, okay. I'm gonna have a word from uh, one of our sponsors, and and then I'm gonna play. Well, I'm gonna play a tune about this whole topic here. It's about a guy who wrote a song and described Jesus as coming as an identified flying object. I, it's pretty good, okay. To late night council. We're right back in uh, three shakes of a lamb's tail. Stay with us. <laughs>
1: EMM Group is the authorized IntegraSpec distributor for the greater Ottawa area, providing technically advanced insulated concrete farms. The design virtually eliminates waste while providing the ultimate energy-efficient, quiet homes and structures. With over 40 years' experience in the concrete industry, EMM offers the best product to homeowners and contractors. Canadian-made IntegraSpec is now being used worldwide. More info can be found at IntegraSpec.com. Don't consider building any other way. Call your ICF specialist 613-835-2600.
2: He's an unidentified flying object, you will see him in the air. He's an unidentified flying object, and you will drop your hands and stare. You will be afraid to tell your neighbors, they might think that it's not true. But when you open up the morning papers, you will know they've seen it too. With the price already
0: One of uh, Larry Norman's more, oh, I would say, mellow tunes. It's called UFO. You can find it online. Larry Norman. And if you're just joining us, um, we're talking about, and you may not have heard about it. I only heard about it two days ago, but there's uh, quite a buzz on social media of a guy that uh, who has got a master's degree in physics and works with Answers in Genesis and has a Ph.D. in astronomy from Clemson University and from Indiana University, so it's, we're not talking Coconut College here, okay? The guy's pretty smart, and he has kind of put it out there that because of the astronomical signs and because of what it says in the Bible, that Jesus is coming this Saturday, September 23rd. Now, I've already yacked about, much about it, and you should get on the podcast, and if you want to uh, hear the rest of it, or if you if you want to get... And podcasts usually get uploaded around, oh. Tuesday night or Monday night. Monday night or Tuesday night, they're usually on there, okay? Um, And I've already quoted one article that kind of told you what's going on, okay? But I want to quote you from, uh, I want to quote Ed Stetzer. You may not know who Ed Stetzer is. Ed Stetzer is the executive director of the Billy Graham Center, based in uh, Wheaton, Illinois, just outside of Chicago. Level-headed, smart, smart. Compassionate guy, been around the block, and and you don't get hired by the Billy Graham Association or the Billy Graham Center unless you you know you've got your uh, act together and you're authentic and you're credible. Okay. Now he put this out. Ed Stetzer put this out yesterday, so this is you know this is dated September the sixteenth on this whole issue of this uh, the latest uh, uh, I would call it credible uh, presentation because the guy's pretty smart what he's put out there. Okay. And this is how Stetzer uh, handles it. Oh, by the way, if you want to call in on this and whatever else is on your mind, 343-700-4390, okay? 343-700-4390, 562 4766 If you're calling long distance, that's one 562 4766 You can email me at jc at latenightcouncil.com. You can uh, uh, contact us through Twitter at jwcouncil. So here's, here's Ed Stetzer's take on it, okay? Again, we must deal with fake news. I've written on this numerous of times before, here and here, and when it says here on the article, there are actual links to the you know the articles he's written about, and undoubtedly this won't be the last time. In this case, it's making Christians look silly again, but there it is in the front page of Fox News. Okay, this this, this is not just on social media. Fox News is carrying this. Christian doomsdayers claim world will end next week. It's under the heading of science. When you click on it, the article headline proclaims. Biblical prophecy claims the world will end on September 23rd, Christian numerologists, plural, claim. No, the world won't end on September 23rd, and Fox News, believe it or not, there is no such thing as a Christian numerologist. And who are the other Christian numerologists in the headline beyond the one quoted? And, you know, I like his approach here. Because I've worked for decades with news uh, uh, departments, okay? And what they get away with is mind-blowing. And and the, the scrutiny that people do not put them under, well... Again, not a Trump fan, but I, I like the way he's, you know, holding the media's feet to the fire, okay? And that's, don't interpret me as being a Trump guy at all, okay? But nobody, no leader has challenged the media in my lifetime like, like Trump has. And, you know, good on him for that. Somebody needs to take these guys to task. Anyway, I'm digressing a little bit, which I do because it's my program. I continue on with Ed Stetcher's, um, I think, pretty wise words here. Fake news. Fed to an often unsuspecting public by a careless media, is alive and well in our world today. Stories like these, and the stories referring to is that Jesus is coming on September the 23rd because some pseudo expert said so. Stories like these are an embarrassment to Christians and the faith convictions we take so seriously. Moreover, they are a distortion of God's word and deserve to be exposed for the fabrications that they are. Okay? It's simply fake news, and a lot of Christians believe the world will end on September 23rd, yet it is still a reminder that we need to think critically about all news. We can't just believe everything we hear the media shouting in our ears. Instead, we must think both carefully and critically about what we read at news sites, watch on the news, and hear our peers discussing. We need to consider our sources, and when situations like this arise, be careful to seek out answers from people who actually know what they're talking about. Now, that's all good and well, and I totally agree with Stetzer here, but the problem with this guy is he's got scientific credentials, and he's got some pretty strong Theological credentials as well. And the only way you would know that, you know, no, no, the guy's wrong is that's why, you know, Paul told Timothy about the Bible, he said, study. Study so that people, so that you'll be approved by people. Study and make sure you know your stuff, so people don't roll your eyes when you come out with what you're going to be teaching them. And I talked about a couple weeks ago about a, a group of people that the, the Book of Acts describes and in the Epistles as the Bereans. Okay, B E R E A N S. The New Testament describes them as noble. They are noble because. They listened to what Paul taught and then they went to the scriptures to verify whether, you know, what he was saying was true. Okay. So that's not a bad thing. Now, Stetzer continues, and, and, and I really think this is good. I would, in fact, I, this little thing that I'm, I'm going to uh, 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 yak here, I, I, you know, often you hear me use the line here on this uh, program, we take a biblical faith perspective on everything that you bring to the program, on the news, on the media, on the latest trends, whatever, okay? It's a biblical perspective. Well, here I think Stetzer lays out a Jesus perspective. So I guess we could call that a biblical faith perspective on fake news. Okay? This is pretty good. Jesus, truth embodied, came to earth because he wanted to set his people, indeed all people, free. He wanted to set them free from lies about who they were, their worth, their value, and most importantly, their sin. God is a God who loves truth because he is ultimately a God who loves freedom. In working to promote the dispersion of that which is true in the public square, we are ultimately living out Jesus' promise to his believers in John 8 and 32. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Not fake news, not prediction, not manipulation, not people telling you a story because it moves product and it's sensational, it makes their news station higher rated than other news stations. No, the truth. The truth will set you free. And in this culture, you can't just bank on the truth being in front of you. You've got to do a little research. You've got to know what's going on. I'm reminded of a, I think it's a Hosea Hosea four and six. It's a scripture that says, "My people," and in the Old Testament means you know the the the, uh, the people of Israel. But the application is definitely there in the New Testament for the body of Christ. It says, "My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge." Okay, Ephesians five ten says, "Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them." Okay. That doesn't mean, you know, we rip the scab off of things and embarrass people or anything like that. But realize that one of the most eloquent uh, uh, titles for the devil in the New Testament is Ephesians 2 and 2. It describes him as the prince of the powers of the air. The devil, Lucifer, he's described as the prince of the powers of the air. That takes on a whole new connotation in this culture, doesn't it? Because we hear through air. We see through air. We perceive through air. The air, I mean, what I'm doing right now, I am on air, okay? Broadcast news, fake news, entertainment, everything comes through the air. And the Bible describes the air as the devil's domain. He rules, he's the prince of the powers of the air. Now, you couple that with Christ's words that say that the devil is the father of lies. When he lies, he speaks his native language. His whole modus operandi is deception and corruption and manipulation and deceiving people. So if you're going to be a follower of Christ, truth is something you got to get a handle on. And I would suggest that the Bible, even though you read it and sometimes, whoa, I don't know, you know, that's why we have churches. That's why we have, you know, some people on the air, on TV and radio and on, online, okay, there are some credible sources there where truth can be verified. But you don't just believe something because, you know, they supposedly got a Ph.D. behind their uh, name or, you know, they've been broadcasting for 30 years and they know what, you know what's going on, you know? There can be all sorts of perspectives coming that can sound so sincere and so credible. But you got to remember, the devil's the best liar in the universe. He could lie better than anybody. And all his lies, all of them, all of them, they're always believable. Always. you know? Like the, oh, the lie that, you know, we want to we want to kill people with compassion. Have you heard that one, you know? The whole right to die movement. And, you know, this is the compassionate thing to do. Oh, it makes so much sense. Oh, they can, you know, paint a picture of it being, oh, yeah, like, you know, it's, it, it's your life and you need to know what to do. I, you know, there's some stuff that people have been, uh, um, some American writers, you know, again, you know, have been writing on some of the crazy stuff that's going on here in Canada with our with our right to die legislation. And how it's no longer it's no longer just because they sold this to Canada. Oh, it's only going to be people that are suffering. We're going to do the compassionate thing. We're going to relieve their suffering. Well, yeah, it's not just people that are suffering now. They're pushing the envelope and they're wanting to they wanting the they're wanting the right to have state sponsored homicide expanded, not just to people who are suffering and in horrible pain. Okay. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about that and a lot of other stuff. Okay, but I want to get in another. Uh, I want to get in another uh, uh, message from our sponsor. And I don't know. I might play a tune. We'll see. It won't be that long a break. Okay. If you want to call in, it is open line, open topic, and no matter all the stuff that I'm going to be throwing at you, and go to the Twitter feed or the Late Night Council Facebook page, you will see. You will see everything I'm referring to, all the articles I've, I've, uh, uh, I'm have I've talking about. The, the links are there for you to read them at their uh, at your leisure, the entire, you know, uh, full articles. But if you want to call me, 343 700 4390, change the world with me tonight, folks. 343 700 4390 in the capital region, 1 844 562 4766. That is the long distance line. That's 1 844 562 4766. You're listening to Late Night Council. We're right back after this. Stay with us.
1: is the authorized IntegraSpec distributor for the greater Ottawa area, providing technically advanced insulated concrete forms. The design virtually eliminates waste while providing the ultimate energy efficient, quiet homes and structures. With over 40 years experience in the concrete industry, EMM offers the best product to homeowners and contractors. Canadian-made IntegraSpec is now being used worldwide. More info can be found at IntegraSpec.com. Don't consider building any other way. Call your ICF specialist. 613-835-2600.
0: Think that's Tower of Power. You ever heard of them? I think they're still going too. Fantastic band. Jazz fusion band. From Oakland. And the tune, because I get requests like when I play these tunes, people ask, go what's the name of that tune? What's that? I gotta look that up. Squib Cakes. Okay? Squib. Not squid like a like a, a octopus. Squib with a B at the end. Squib Cakes. Tower of Power. Great band. Not a lot of lyrics in their music either. I find lyrics just can mess up a song, you know, what do what you, and, and a lot of the tunes I like, you know, they're, the lyrics are terrible, you know, and you almost got to violate your conscience to, to, to enjoy the tune, which, you know, not necessarily a good thing to do. Tower powers could good been. But then again, that's just my opinion. And that's what Good Talk Radio is, right? Good Talk Radio's opinion. I want to hear from you, okay? Whatever's on your mind, it's Ask the Pastor on Late Night Council, 343 700 4390 in the capital region. 343 700 4390 1844 562 4766 is the long distance line. That's 1844 562 4766. Okay, here comes a shameless plug, and I hardly ever do this, but I'm going to do it right now. I am having a blast. Wow. Well, <laughs> I started pastoring a brand-new church that didn't even exist six months ago, okay? It's called Christ Church. And the thing is 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 growing like gangbusters. We have outgrown our facility, and it looks like this week we're negotiating to move into a larger place. And uh, you could check us out on the web, ChristChurchOttawa.com. And all my messages, and you get—and our the, the way that we tape our messages at Christ Church— it's not slick. It's not perfect production, but that's the way we like it because you get a you get a real window into what we think is super exciting Book of Acts New Testament church life, okay? I mean, you may hear kids screaming in the background. You may hear the hecklers giving me a hard time, okay? Cuz we meet at a community center on the edge of a park in uh you know, in downtown Ottawa. And you can feel that when you tune in, okay? And all the messages are on podcast christchurchottawa.com. Check it out, okay? And uh and you know, if you don't like it then and or if you think or if you do like it, we want to hear from you. And it's the same I use the same email address there as I am here. Of course, there is an info address you can contact us there. But if you want to uh, email me and get your uh, message read on the show here of what we're talking about or whatever you want to talk about, it's JC at late But that's the that's the email address I use during the week as well. That's my only email address, jc at latenightcouncil.com. Now I was alluding to this whole uh, uh, deception, manipulation, and you see it as thick as a brick. And the whole, uh, 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 the secular term for it is "right to die." I don't buy that "right to die" nonsense. Okay, I, I think uh, um, I, I think they're hiding something. That uh, well, no, they're hiding stuff that they don't want to know about like uh, the state-sanctioned suicide, uh, suicide squads. I'm not talking about the movie or the comic book. Uh, the state-sanctioned, uh, they're not even suicide squads. They're homicide squads that, that go around in, in Holland. There's been thousands of people who have lost their lives in Holland that didn't want to die. And it's a dirty little secret that gets swept under the rug because there's a, you know, there's a, there's a, uh, um, um, there's a movement that wants to keep this going, and it's really a pro-death movement. This is Eric Metaxas. Again, you can uh, go to the link and read this in its entirety. I'm going to give you a little bit of it here, and, and and I want to hear your feedback on this. Should doctors be paid a premium for assisting deaths? Oh, you didn't think about that, did you? You know, when it, when, when it was sold to Canadians, and, and, of course, we bought it hook, line, and sinker because our spiritual discernment in, in, in Canada nowadays is nowhere. And the moral implications of the crazy decisions we've made, particularly in the last 15, 20 years, nobody has even taken into account the long-term uh, uh, consequences of them. Nobody. They've sold it down the river, and they've made you feel like a bigot and a, a you know a, a, a blank phobe for disagreeing or saying, hey, just a second here. What about and no, they don't want to hear it. They want, they want to promote their brand of I, I describe it as totalitarianism because boy, you stand up against the man, you you're gonna lose your job. Or worse. But nobody thought about, it. yeah, what about, you know, like, because that's what they're asking now. Should doctors be paid a premium for assisting death? Hey, if you knock somebody off, you're gonna get a bonus. Okay? Now, I'll quote the article, should doctors be paid a premium for assisted death? The answer is a resounding yes. And Eric Metaxas is, you know, reporting on how this is being handled. Without such a premium, what Canada calls medical assistance to dying will exist in theory only and not in practice. And he's quoting McLean's magazine on this. Okay, he's quoting August 15th. That's just less than a month ago, okay? About a month ago, McLean's magazine on, on you know the actual terminology he's using here. Quote a little bit more of it here, okay? Now, what he's talking about: a premium paid to doctors for killing patients. And the activists that already have opened up the Pandora's box so that now we have state-sponsored you know, uh, uh, homicide, okay, they're pushing hard for this. They got it sold, and they got everybody to get on board because, oh, well, you know, we want to assist people that are suffering. And how could you, you know, who would want to prolong suffering? And every, oh, yeah, really? That really makes sense. But now that they've got it, they're pushing the envelope even further. Of course. Of course it would come to this. How could it not come to this? And it was only supposed to be for the terminally ill, okay, for now, for now. But, but, the pro-state-sanctioned murder squad, I'll call them, wants to extend its killing to the mentally ill now, okay? That's the next phase in them being able to knock off whoever they want as long as they can convince Canadians that's a good thing. And, oh, we are gullible. Sometimes I think, sometimes I think Canadians are the most gullible people on the planet. I'm going to give you a little bit more of Metaxas' article here, and you can read the whole thing because the link is posted on the Late Night Council Facebook page or on my Twitter feed. McLean's August 15, 2017 issue told the story of a palliative care doctor who decided that, in addition to providing end-of-life care of dying patients, he would assist them with the actual dying. Not surprisingly, the story was wrapped in gauzy haze that made everyone involved appear noble beyond words. Think noted humanitarian Albert Schweitzer instead of Jack Kevorkian. There was no hint of where this ersatz brand of compassion could lead. For that, you only had to look back a few months in the magazine's archives. A few months earlier, an article in the magazine argued that although it may make some people understandably uncomfortable, extending the right to assisted dying to the mentally ill is a compassionate solution. Hear that? Where in God's name do they get off thinking of themselves as compassionate because they want to end the lives of mentally ill? And yet Canadians are buying this hook, line, and sinker. Metaxas goes on about talking about the so-called right to die to mentali- uh, mentally ill people back in May 1st. Okay, McLean wrote about it. And Metaxas says that back then it was a terrible idea. And now, as he's seen the rationale fully set forth, I'm only looking for a word that's stronger than terrible. I'm quoting Metaxas. Now, listen to what he says here. The piece was written by Daniel Monroe of the Conference Board of Canada. Now, what's he what's he doing talking about right to die? But listen to what this guy says. The piece of McLean's was written by Daniel Monroe of the Conference Board of Canada, whose stated goal, the Conference Board of Canada, their stated goal is, build a better future for Canadians by making our economy and society more dynamic and competitive. According to Monroe, it's not clear why the principle that justifies euthanasia for the terminally ill should apply any less to people with mental illness. What he's saying is, you know, if we can apply it to the uh, to, to, uh, people who are terminally ill, why should we not be able to apply it to the mentally ill? This enshrinement of autonomy, this is Metaxas talking again, no. This enshrinement of autonomy goes a long way towards explaining why the right to die will not and cannot be limited to the terminally ill. If you begin with the assumption that people have a right to live and die as they please, then there's no good reason to limit lethal medical assistance to only one group of suffering people. Hey, we got rights. We have a right to die as well. You see how they think? Is that a twisted logic? And how people are buying this? So we need to remember, and, and this is a good parting shot here. Again, you could read the whole article at your leisure. I posted it on the on the Facebook page. So we need to remember that when a mentally ill person says, please let me die, you can never be certain whether it's the person speaking or the mental illness speaking. I mean, they've gone whole hog in this in Holland now, and they are listing and they are looking for an excuse to knock off the mental ill. As soon as they're, you know, when they're vulnerable and at a time when they're suicidal, there's somebody right there, right away, before they change their mind. And it's happened way too often. And there's families in Holland that are enraged. You know that their loved one was knocked off because they had a moment of mental uh, uh, mental uh, weakness. And they are pushing hard for this here in Canada. And Canadians are buying it. Canadians are saying this is what they want. You know why? Because they've only been given the side that comes from the guy who's in control of the prince of the powers of the air. You know, the dissenting voices are saying, Oh, just a second, the implications of this are off the charts here. we got to rethink this. Anybody that talks like that is labeled as, you know, uh, a regressive Or against progress in some way, as if this is, you know, supposed to be progress. Wow. You ever heard that line before? The prince and the powers of the air? Hmm. Well, I think it's time for me to play a tune. To play the consummate media tune. To play the tune that just about every newsroom can probably sing because they know the lyrics. It says so much. It says so much about what media is all about. I guess you could call this, I don't know, you could call this the fake news tune. You'll recognize the tune soon as you hear it. Enjoy it. I'm going to take about a—oh, maybe a maybe a three or four minute break. And when we come back, we can take your calls. 343-700-4390. That's 343-700-4390. It's open line, open topic. It's Ask the Pastors, Late Night Council. I'd love to have you on. 343-700-4390. 562 4766 You know this tune, don't you? Of course you do. Enjoy. Right back in a couple minutes. Stay with us. Uh, there was a time when I could sing that song and actually hit the notes. Pretty hard cuz Don Henley's got, you know, quite a range there. Dirty Laundry, Don Henley. Or the the the, the theme song of Fake News, I guess, See, uh, appropriate subtitle. Uh, welcome back. It's Ask the Pastors Late Night Council 343 4390 in the Capital Region. If you want to get on the air 343 1844-562-4766. JC at com is the email address. Keep it under six lines, and you can tweet at me at JW Council. One of my uh, favorite guys, and I haven't quoted him in about three or four weeks. It's uh, I'm overdue. So, uh, again, every article I'm bringing up on the program tonight, if you go to the Late Night Council Facebook page or the uh, Twitter feed, it's there for you. You can read them all at your leisure. And and one guy I haven't quoted in, a, in a long, quite a while is uh, uh, Dr. Michael Brown. And uh, a bunch of degrees and everything, really smart guy from, you know, real universities. I mean, a lot of people that have degrees, you got to check out where the degree's from, you know, because you can get a degree and say, and same with pastors, too. You can get ordination you know, like you mail in your like uh, a fee and you can be ordained. Let me give you an example. When I was doing a talk radio at, at, at CFRA, I would have a lot of WWF wrestlers come in. Okay. And the honky tonk man. Remember the honky tonk man from WWF days? He was in town doing a local radio show, and I was able, a, a local uh, uh, wrestling show, and I was able to get him in studio. And and uh, and I checked him out before I brought him online. And I was kind of nervous because man, like I saw some stuff online where the guy's pretty crude and and pretty profane. And I'm thinking, oh dear God, please, you know, no. And he handled himself really professionally. We had a, a blast, a lot of fun with him. Okay, and uh, the guy's an ordained minister. And I got talking about, how'd you get your ordination? She said, ah, anybody could get ordained. You know, here, I set my money in, and I know they ordained him. The guy performs weddings. He gets paid for doing weddings. I just, he had a mail in ordination. So when I quote experts, I promise you, I will not quote experts or bring articles to the to the fore without, you know, people that they're going to have some credibility. I don't even look at them, okay? And, and Michael Brown, I've heard this guy speak, I've got his books. He's, he's one of the best commentators out there. In the Christian world, he's one of the best. Um, and he's got an article that came out uh, uh, about three or four days ago. And this is huge. This is, you see, this guy's cutting edge in the States, and he's watching a lot of the stuff that goes on in Canada. And he realizes that, like, he shakes his head, What are you Canadians doing up there? Do you realize what you're doing to your future? Do you realize what you're doing to your kids? Do you realize what you're doing to your country? And nobody in Canada does. Cause especially when it comes to, you know, uh, issues like marriage and family and gender and our morality. I mean, we have had a cultural and a, and a, and a, and a moral, uh, I would call it an immoral, revolution in the last 20 years in this country. And nobody, nobody is talking about the long-term implications of what we've decided, okay? And here's Michael talking about the whole gender thing, okay? I'm going to give you a bit of the article. Again, call in. I want to hear your opinion. You don't like it, call in and, and tell us the other side of it, okay? Or if you like it and, and you want to add to it, feel free. 343 700 in the Capital Region, and one 844 562 is long distance. Here we go. When it comes to children or adults who struggle with gender confusion, I have a sim- simple principle. We do our best to help them find wholeness without imposing their struggles on everybody else. Now, you're hearing that, and you're thinking, oh, that guy's a, that guy's a transphobe. Oh, listen, hear the guy out first, okay? This is both compassionate and reasonable. And it's how we handle other situations when an individual suffers from a handicap or a disorder. We do our best to help them, but we don't turn the world upside down for them. For example, if a student is confined to a wheelchair, we make sure the school has the appropriate bathroom facilities, and if there are several floors to the school building, we make sure there's an accessible elevator or lift. But we don't force all the other students to use wheelchair-specific bathrooms, nor do we stop them from using the stairs in the same way if there is a blind student in the school we do our best to include the children children in all possible activities and we have braille materials available but we don't force the other students to play games with their eyes closed or learn to read braille as well unfortunately when it comes to transgender activism the world must be turned upside down to accommodate a struggling child or adult this makes even less sense Since in the case of someone struggling with gender confusion, we're not talking about a physically tangible, conclusively diagnosable condition. We're talking about a subjective condition, a personal perception, something that could be here today and gone or modified tomorrow. How then can these struggles be imposed on everybody else? Nobody's asking these questions. And when they do, they get censored. Or people call them names. I continue on with Michael Brown's article. Recently in the United Kingdom, a couple reported that their six-year-old returned totally drained from school, as his dad explained. When he got home from school one day, he said, Daddy, I'm confused. There's a boy in my class who says he's now a boy, but then sometimes he's a girl. One day, the boy in question would dress as a boy. The next day, as a girl, wearing a dress. This deeply confused the other boy, draining him emotionally. How could the school impose the confused boy's struggles on everyone else? They asked. The mother explained, we talked to the head. That's the principal in England. We talked to the teacher, concerned, and they basically said, we have no choice. We have to accept this. Otherwise, I could even lose lose my job. This left the parents with no choice but to remove their son, who was not suffering from a disorder from school. Okay? Okay. Such is the social madness produced by transgender activism, and it is embraced wholeheartedly by the local school districts as well. Right across the board. A spokesperson stated, our schools are inclusive, safe places where people's lear- people learn to respect diversity of all kinds. Now, that sounds so wonderful on the, on the surface, doesn't it? We comply with the legal requirements of the Equality Act, this is in Britain, 2010, and believe that all should feel welcome, valued, and nurtured as part of a learning community. Who would argue with that? That sounds so wonderful on the surface. Okay, Michael Brown asked, really, they want all students to feel welcomed, valued and nurtured. Obviously, this excludes all students who are not at home with LGBT activism on their campus. They are outside the outside the realm of diversity and inclusion. You might say, well, that little boy shouldn't be upset. His parents need to teach him to be more accepting. Really? Are you sure? Certainly, we should teach our kids to be kind to all, and we should absolutely oppose bullying for any reason. But we should not teach our children to affirm mental or psychological disorders. And there is no verifiable scientific evidence that the boy in question is a girl. Why, then, should these parents teach their son to affirm that which is not true or real? Let's not forget that the vast majority of children who identify as transgender no longer do so after puberty. And there are psychologists who believe that we do these children a, di- a disservice by affirming their transgender identity. And not just a, a lot. I mean, there's a lot of psychologists, but they're afraid to speak out because they're afraid to lose their jobs. Consider this recent case, which is getting a widespread attention, as reported in the Daily Wire, with guidance from medical professionals... And his own mother, a 12-year-old Australian boy suffering from gender confusion, began to transition into a female. Just two years later, the young man told his mom he felt like his born sex again and is now in the painful process of transitioning back, which includes surgery this time. Some would argue that the doctors who helped this young boy transition to female were guilty of medical malpractice, if not outright child abuse, however well-intentioned they might have been. Yet in today's upside-down world, the schools and all students would be expected to embrace this boy as a boy, then as a girl, then as a boy again, based entirely on how he felt and identified at the given any given moment. And woe be to the teacher or parent or student who protests, one dare not be branded transphobe. Lest you think I'm exaggerating, remember that just last month, a first grader at a California charter school was sent to the principal's office this week after she identified accidentally misgendered a classmate in what's being called a pronoun mishap, a first grader. We're talking about six-year-olds again, precious, little, impressionable, innocent children who are being punished for their failure to embrace trans activism. This must stop. It's got to stop now, which means that parents, educators, and legislators must act to protect these little ones. Regardless of the professional cost or consequences, do we really have a choice? And remember, kids in nursery school and up are being indoctrinated with the standard LGBTQ uh, uh, talking points. Why should we be surprised when they grow up so confused? If enough people of conscience speak up and act up, change will come. And rather than simply affirm the struggles of these equally precious gender-confused children, let's redouble our efforts to get to the root of their struggles, helping them find wholeness from their inside out. Pretty good stuff, eh? Michael Brown gets labeled as being hateful for writing that kind of stuff. Thank God for him. 343 4390 That's 343-700-4390. 1-844-562-4766 is the long distance line. That's one 844 562 You can email me at jc at latenightcouncil.com. You can tweet at me at jw council. I feel a tune coming on. I like the tunes to have meaning. I don't want them to just be filler, you know. So, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Going to hear from our sponsor, okay? Going to hear from our sponsor again, and I and I know you want to because they're good people, okay? Going to hear from our sponsor, and then you know I want to put out a tune to kind of comment on the whole bombardment of transactivism on our on our precious innocent impressionable kids. You give me a call while you're listening, okay? I'm going to put you on hold. We'll get you on. 343-700-4390. 844 562 Stay with us.
1: is the authorized IntegraSpec distributor for the greater Ottawa area, providing technically advanced insulated concrete forms The design virtually eliminates waste while providing the ultimate energy-efficient, quiet homes and structures. With over 40 years' experience in the concrete industry, EMM offers the best product to homeowners and contractors. Canadian-made IntegraSpec is now being used worldwide. More info can be found at IntegraSpec.com. Don't consider building any other way. Call your ICF specialist, 613-835-2600.
0: Nice little ditty, eh? Do you remember singing along to that when it came on the radio? That's a very singable song, you know? And, of course, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, you know, they, they always did the harmonies. So you would try to do the different harmonious parts. Well, I tried to. Did you? Maybe you can't sing. Maybe when you would tried to sing, people would yell at you. Yeah, what'd you do with the money? What money? The money your parents gave you for singing lessons. You obviously didn't show up. Old joke, I know. 343 If you want to stop the host from telling more sick jokes and you want to get a word in sledgewise, 343 in the Capital Region. one 562 4766 is the long-distance line. JC at Late Night Council is the long-distance line. We've paid for it, so you don't have to, okay? 1-844-562-4766. Give us a call. Send us an email or wherever you want, or just listen to me. I don't don't mind yakking with you. I got a lot of stuff I got to talk about, and I think it's important. So if you want to just keep listening, and as we keep moving along here, that's, you know, that's, uh, that's acceptable. I'm talking a lot about activism today. Right to die. Transgender issues. And there are people that within the faith community that try to present Christ as some type of social savior okay in other words you got to look at i'm i'm when jesus said love god with all your heart soul and mind and love your neighbor as yourself i mean the whole bible you can't really grasp or understand the Bible without those filters. You've got to approach the Bible with that. That that's the core of the of the message of Christ right there. In fact, he said that all the law and the prophets hang on those two commandments. Everything in the Old Testament, in other words, is 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 based on those two great commandments. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? Well, how do you know when you're loving your neighbor as yourself? I mean, God, He's easy to love, okay? He paid the price for our sins. He died on the cross. I mean, he, he uh, suffered so that we would have a relationship with Almighty God. Christ is the bridge between us and the Creator, okay? And if you ever get to know God, you will love him. The devil works overtime to promote warped concepts of who and what God is all about. But if you ever encounter him personally, you it's easy to love God. Loving your neighbor, that's, you know what, you're going to need God's help for that. Now, fortunately, he provides that for us, which is great. The wonderful thing about the Bible is it tells you how to live, but it it, it, provides you with the strength and the power to do it, too. Kids, don't try this at home. Don't try this without the power of Christ. I would never expect anybody to live like Jesus without Jesus living within them. I mean, there's no way I could pull it off. In fact, I have difficulty pulling it off even with Christ, but I know that I have no hope outside of him, so I pursue Christ, okay? He comes in, and he's he's faithful to his promises in the Bible, okay? How do you love your neighbors yourself? How do you know if you're really loving them, you know? Well, first of all, a good start is you should know their names, (laughs) you know? I mean, give you all kinds of things you can do, but love is more than just doing, isn't it, okay? You know how you can tell when when you love your neighbor? If somebody comes up to your neighbor and asks, hey, uh... Council across the street there you know do you think he likes you oh yeah he's terrific oh yeah he's best neighbor I ever had well then you, i could probably tell that my, i do love my neighbor but if my neighbor says hey Council next door to you there like uh, what's he like to live by well, i don't know guy never talks to me you know he's in his own little world that's fine i don't mind but as far as me i don't think he even knows my name if my neighbor says that of me then i'm a lousy neighbor i'm not being obedient to christ The most objective evaluation as to whether you love your neighbor as yourself is your neighbor. What would it be like if you moved away? What would it be like if you just never were there anymore? Would it make a difference? If it it wouldn't make a difference, the chances are you don't love your neighbor as yourself. And I don't mean to be hard, but that's, you know, sometimes the truth hurts. And remember, it's Christ that said, hey, look, it's the truth that's going to set you free. And this is like healthy stuff to talk about. I think it is, don't you? And if you don't, I want to hear from you. You know, I could be wrong. I doubt it, though, on this one. So going back to the next story I want to talk about here, there's a lot of people that believe, and they that part of their Christianity is that Jesus is a social savior, okay? Well, you know, he, he probably could easily fit into that description, but more than that, more than that, okay? And the, the uh, Daniel Harrison in his article here, it's looking. The title is "Looking for a Social Savior." Okay, and he starts it off by quoting John one twenty nine. Behold, and John the Baptist described Jesus as this: "Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world." His primary mission was to take sin away. His primary mission was to die and to suffer. In fact, when Peter who, you know, a lot of people consider the head honcho of the disciples, said, no way, you're not going to do this. You you remember what he said to Peter in the Gospels? He said, get out of my way, Satan. Wow. How to win friends and influence people. Boy, you wouldn't want to say that to somebody who's only trying to save your life and save you from harm. But even Jesus recognized anything that devalues his primary mission to suffer and die for sin. It's secondary. Now, why am I bringing this up? Okay? Okay. Because painting Christ, and I said that, you know, like, Christians do this. We try to make God in our own image. We want him to be a serviceable God, okay? And the image of Jesus being a social activist, and some would even say the ultimate social activist. Oh, that's so politically correct now. And they could even get scripture to back up their belief, okay? Now, let me quote Harrison's article here a little bit. I've noticed many Christian activists have a tendency to proffer to the world an image of a Jesus that is tantamount to that of a sanctified social worker, a holy humanitarian, an exalted egalitarian. And he quotes somebody that I have great respect for. I don't know if you know the name Frederick Douglass, okay? Frederick Douglass, one of the most... I, a black guy who lived over 100 years ago, more than that, about uh, right around after the Civil War. He was a black reformer in the southern United States, paid an awful price for taking his stand against racism and bigotry. Okay? And Harrison quotes Frederick Douglass. I know the life of Frederick Douglass. Pure man, wonderful man. That's what Frederick Douglass said. I love the pure, peaceable, and impartial Christianity of Christ. I therefore hate the corrupt slaveholding, women whipping, cradle plundering, partial, and hypocritical Christianity of this land. Okay? Frederick Douglass knew what a biblical Christ was all about, what the real Christ was all about. And he also could see the tendency of people who call themselves Christians to make Christ in their image. You can't do that. Okay? Now, Harrison goes a little bit deeper in this, because some of you are thinking, oh, well, yeah, we wouldn't want to do that. We want to serve the real. We want to follow the real Christ. We want to follow the real biblical Christ. Well, I think all of us need to see our tendencies of wanting to make Christ in our image. We want him to, you know, kind of sanction us. We want him to serve us instead of us serving him. Now, you can't get rid of the fact that he was a social reformer, but that was not his primary mission. Oh, yeah, he reformed society. He turned the world upside down through his followers, his impact. There's no life in the history of mankind that has impacted humanity like like the life of Jesus Christ. But what Harrison is saying is don't get away from his primary objective. His primary objective is the human race was infected with sin, and the only cure is, is faith in the blood of Christ. Well, that's what you Christians believe. You know, that's kind of pushing it to extremes. Sorry, that's what our Lord said. That's what he taught. And people who follow Christ, they take his word seriously. And when you really get to what the implications are about it, it kind of throws a wrench in all the machinery that we call Christianity nowadays, this religion that has grown out of this incredible life that he said he came to give us. I'm gonna go a little. T- I'm getting a little heady tonight. I realize that, okay, but if you could stay with me here, I think you, you, you'll find it valuable. Harrison again, notwithstanding the innumerable and tangible good works performed by Jesus for the practical benefit of those to whom they were graciously and mercifully imparted, those works were subsidiary to the primary reason Christ came into the world, which, contrary to what many Christian social ju- justice activists and others believe was not to remedy the socio-political or socio-economic inequities by improving the material, financial, or social situation of those with whom he interacted, but to point people to himself, the long-awaited Messiah. This reality is underscored in John 20, verses 30-31, to in which the Apostle John says this, Therefore... Many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these have been written, in other words, the things that are written, these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. That's the anointed one, the Messiah. These things were written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. That was his primary purpose. And it seems as though people within the faith camp, the Christian camp, are losing sight of this. Christ did a lot of wonderful social reform type things, but that was not his primary purpose. Closes the article with this. Christ came into the world to save sinners, not society. Did you hear that? When you think about the implications of that, that could disturb a lot of people. And he gives the the scripture references for it. Okay, 1 Timothy 1.15, Matthew 10.34 and 36. Christ came into the world to save sinners, not society. If the works of Christ were in and of themselves sufficient to inaugurate the kind of egalitarian social structure so zealously desired by many Christian social justice warriors, then I ask you, my brother and sister, Why was it necessary for him to die? Exactly. Because all the social justice in the world is not going to cure the epidemic virus of sin. It only has one cure. Belief in the blood of Christ. And actually accepting what he's done and asking him to forgive you and to come in and change your life and invite him to take residence. That is the only cure for society. In fact, that's the main reason I get bored to tears doing political commentary anymore, because I know it doesn't make a hill of beans difference. And I spend a lot of my time with poor people, and I spend a lot of time with people that are needy, because I know their hearts are open to what the reality of the problem is, and that is all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And there is no other name, and I'm quoting Scripture when I'm saying this now, there's no other name under heaven which anybody can be saved except Christ. Well, that's exclusive. Hey, I didn't say it. I didn't make this up. But the person who backed up what he taught more than anybody by rising from the dead with hundreds of people witnessing, Muhammad never pulled that off. Buddha never pulled that off. Confucius never pulled that off. You name any Hindu, uh, Hindu leader, none of them pulled that off. Okay? The guy who backed up what he said, and a lot of the stuff he said is provocative. It's disturbing. But when a guy rises from the dead and then doesn't die again, it's not just ethics anymore. Okay? You got you to gotta, you gotta dig a little deeper about what this guy was all about, what he said. And the implications are eternal. They're powerful. John, are you against social justice? Of course not. I think it's wonderful. But it doesn't it doesn't address the issue, okay? We have a mixed up, messed up, uh morally lost world, not because of laws, not because of the not because you know Justin Trudeau and Kathleen Wynne are the leaders, you know, in, in this area of of the world. We have a messed up and moral world because people have turned their backs on the only thing that can make them whole, and that is Christ. It's not just, well, oh, I'm glad that works for you, that's your religion. No, okay? I think Jesus was, you know, a good teacher and a good man, but he wasn't the son of God. Oh, come on, please don't insult him like that, okay? A good man doesn't go around telling people he's God. He got killed because of his claims of being God. He's either nuts, he's either a nutcase who's delusional, or he is who he says who he is. And I'm not the first philosopher, thinker, or theologian to promote that kind of idea. C.S. Lewis made that as as popular as anybody in the last hundred years. Don't degrade the life of Jesus Christ by saying he was just a good moral teacher, a good man, because a good man doesn't go around saying delusional things like Jesus said. He's either who he says he is or he's nuts. 343 4390 is the capital region line. That's 343 4390. Whatever's on your mind, give me a call. 1 844 562 4766. That's one, eight, four, four, five, six, two, four, seven, six, six. When we come back, I got, I got again, more stuff than I think I can fit in the next day. We only got well, a little over a half hour left. I'm going to try and do my best to fit everything in. You're going to hear some stories, on some powerful, powerful, powerful social justice that's taking place. And it's happening because the people that are engaging in it and are accomplishing it, their hearts burn for Christ. They are passionate followers of Jesus Christ. And the difference has been made in their life, and lo and behold, if they're not turning their world inside out. And you're going to hear about it. 343-700-4390. 1-844-562-4766. JC at latenightcouncil.com is the email address. And you can tweet at me, too. i got another tune for you, okay? Um, I've played a lot of Keith Green music on this program, especially since uh you know we, we started up again in uh, in February and uh, i've been a uh, I just love Keith Green not just because he was an amazing keyboard player and a wonderful songwriter and uh, you know he, his music was always very very appealing to me, but more than that the guy's life I thought I knew you know all the ins and outs of Keith Green. I used to be part of his mailing list where I would get, you know, the material that he was sending out before he was killed in a plane crash in 1983. I started full-time pastoring in the spring of 1981, and Keith Green was a very, very heavy influence on my life and a number of other young pastors back then when we got our start, okay? I remember being at a youth pastors conference in 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 Fort Worth, Texas in 1983. And it was about two or three months after Keith Green's plane went down. And his plane went down only about an hour or two away from Fort Worth. And there was all sorts of people at that youth pastors conference that, you know, knew Keith personally and worked with him. And uh, uh, the impact of this guy's life and his testimony is truly mind boggling. And, And why am I bringing it up? Because I didn't even know. I didn't even know that there was a documentary meant, made about his life, and it was only made about two or three years ago. I mean, it's the wonders of the Internet. And uh, anything I bring to the program, I like to share with you. If you go on YouTube, and if you've never heard of Keith Green, you need to hear this guy's life story, okay? Some of you that are familiar with his music, you know, you have kind of got a natural bend towards it anyway. But I, I, an incredible, the guy died when he was 29 years old. The impact he had was phenomenal. This guy had a, had a grasp of what it means to really know Christ in, in, a, in a powerful contemporary way, but in probably the most biblical way. I mean, you talk about a light shining bright. And he wasn't religious. Oh, he was so... In fact, the religious world couldn't stand this guy. They were really disturbed by him, and he would confront them all the time. In fact, Keith Green went after the religious world far more than he ever went with any social activism. And if you look up on YouTube, if you look up... Uh, Your Love Broke Through, the Keith Green story. It's a one-hour documentary. It is worth your time. I can't recommend it enough, okay? And I don't do a lot of endorsements, but you have got to see this documentary, Your Love Broke Through, the Keith Green story. It'll take you an hour. It will be time well spent. And I would ask you to do this, okay? When you watch the documentary, I want you to email me and tell me what you thought, okay? If you're in the region and you've got, you know, like, a, 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 you can get a hold of me, I want you to email me at jc at com and say, Council, I took your word, and I watched the Keith Green story. I want to hear from you, okay? Or you can tweet at me or email me, whatever, jc at com. And, uh, you know, of course, having said that, I should play a Keith Green tune, shouldn't I? Okay? And this is kind of an upbeat tune. I really like it. I, I like all his stuff. But all his music... Like, he didn't create music just to make money. All his music, all his songs are like mini sermons, okay? And they're relevant, and they're punchy, and they're provocative. They're in your face. And sometimes I think just the way Jesus would want them, okay? So this is, this is softened your heart. We'll be right back after that. Don't think that tune is in the documentary, okay? It's called Soften Your Heart. That's Keith Green. And the documentary, you can watch it on YouTube. And uh, uh, the title of the documentary, Your Love Broke Through, I've played that before on this broadcast. One of the most beautiful tunes he ever wrote. I mean, absolutely beautiful. And uh, and, and uh, that's the name of the documentary, Your Love Broke Through, the Keith Green story. Comes with the late night counsel. Ask the pastor Gold star of approval. Got to watch that. And please, when you watch it, will you email me, email me and tell me what you thought of it? Okay. And, you know, if you thought it was a waste of time, be honest, whatever. Okay. But, uh, and, and if you like it, I would, you know, tell your friends about it. Powerful message. Very, very challenging message. It's the real deal. Not this, you know, religious fluff, you know. I was messed up, then Jesus came into my life, and I'm not messed up anymore. You know, no, it's not that. Okay. It's, it's got some real powerful depth to it. Um, you've heard me make the statement and sometimes I get into it on Twitter with people and on Facebook cause, uh, you know, that's open to everybody and I don't mind, you know, um, um, putting stuff out there that challenges people and, 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 you know, the, the, the hate God squad or the hate Christ, the Christophobes out there, they like to take me to task all the time. And one thing they can't get around, it drives them nuts is the fact that, you know, these so-called, uh, uh, uh narrow-minded, um, and, and they call us all kinds of names, Christians. You know, why is it that Christians are the quickest to volunteer to, fo- to you know, provide relief when a disaster takes place? You know, they got no word for that. You know, the the the, the atheists and the and the anti God activists that that want to silence any type of biblical or moral dissent for the behavior that they promote. You know, like I I don't see I don't see hordes of for instance, uh, um, um, I don't see hordes of people that uh, uh, um, um, uh, promote a lifestyle that the Bible says is sin. I don't see them organized like people who follow Christ organized to help the needy and to help people that can't pay back. And uh, John Stone Street did an article on this. And uh, again, you could, I put the link out there. You could read it for yourself. And the title was, I'll give you the title here, um, Loud Faith in Irma's Wake Relief Efforts Depend on Faith-Based Organizations. Did you hear that report? Okay, did you hear that headline? I'm going to repeat it again. Relief Efforts Depend on Faith-Based Organizations. Okay. Now, this is the real story of Hurricane Irma and Hurricane Harvey uh, relief efforts. That the fake news and the secular media that only care about ratings and money, you know, they're not really interested in promoting the truth. They just want to, you know, promote their agenda. Okay? Let me give you a little bit of this. The headline of a recent story in USA Today reads, Faith groups, every once in a while they get it right, and when they do, the guys at Christian uh, post uh, uh, jump on it because it's so rare. I continue. I continue. The headline of a recent story in USA Today reads, Faith groups provide the bulk of disaster recovery in coordination with FEMA. That's the Federal um, Emergency Mobilization Association or something. Like I probably got it wrong. If you want to correct me, please uh, call in or, or email me, okay? FEMA is the main organization that provides, not provides, but but coordinates disaster relief, okay? And the headline USA Today said, Faith groups provide the bulk of disaster recovery. The paper's Washington correspondent, Paul Singer, begins by telling readers something they may not know. If you do not donate bottles of water, diapers, clothing, or any other materials to hurricane victims in Texas or Florida, your donation will likely pass through the hands of the Seventh-day Adventists before it gets to storm victims. Who knew, as Singer continues, the Adventists, over several decades have established a unique expertise in disaster warehousing, collecting, logging, organizing, and distributing relief supplies in coordination, cooperation with government disaster response agencies. As Singer tells readers, in a disaster, churches don't just hold bake sales to raise money or collect clothes to send to victims. Faith-based organizations are integral partners in the state and federal disaster relief efforts. Now, obviously, this is the state's. This is not Canada. So why am I sharing this with you? Because I see there's a real, real dangerous negative attitude towards faith-based groups here in Canada to provide relief and to provide you know, social assistance. Okay, It's like, we don't care what your faith is. If you believe that, we don't want to have anything to do with you. And yet the people that do it best are the Christian organizations. They're using the term faith-based because they don't want to be offensive to other faiths. And, you know, it is accurate, but the truth is, when you hear the term faith-based organizations providing relief, a good 95% of those faith-based organizations are not Muslim. They're not Hindus, okay? They're Christian. As Singer tells his readers, in a disaster, churches don't hold bake sales. They have specific rules, specific roles, okay? They don't just raise bake sales to raise money to collect clothes or send a bicker. Faith based organizations are integral partners in state and federal disaster relief efforts. They have specific roles and a sophisticated communication and coordination network to make sure their efforts don't overlap or get in each other's way. Singer went on to mention the Convoy of Hope and Samaritan's Purse, while clarifying that these groups don't merely supplement governmental relief efforts. In many instances, they are the government response. Do you hear that? Some Canadians, that blows their mind. Well, how can that be? Well, you, you Canadians, especially secular Canadians, you need an education on who's really doing the relief work worldwide. You got a lot of government sponsored relief organizations, but the bulk of that relief work is being done by volunteers who are of the Christian faith, okay? And that's their motivation. That's why they do it. Singer went on to mention. That the Convoy of Hope and Samaritan's Purse, while clarifying that these groups don't merely supplement governmental relief efforts, in many instances they are the government response, not in the sense that their actions are directed by government, but instead that government recognizes, in the states, not Canada, that government recognizes their integral role and seeks to facilitate their actions. Because in the states they know how good a job these Christian groups do. What to God that we would have that type of understanding and recognition here in Canada when something like this happens. Federal agencies such as FEMA and their state counterparts rely on these groups. So much so, as Singer tells us, FEMA ran interference for Samaritan's Purse with other agencies such as the U.S. Customs and Border Protection. And there's a lot more where that came from. According to the CEO of the National Voluntary Organizations Active in Disaster, an umbrella group, about 80% of all recovery, listen to this, about 80% of all recovery happens because of nonprofits, and the majority of them are faith based. And I gave you the percentage of those faith face of what faith they actually are. Let the implications of that number sink in, as Stone Street is writing here. This is not me here, this is him writing it. Let the implications of that number sink in. And yet, as I have told you several times, an increasing percentage of Americans, nearly half, think that the government could replace religious organizations and the charitable services they offer with no problems and nothing lost. Now, that lie is totally believed here in Canada. He's saying about half of Americans believe that. Probably 80% of Canadians believe that. To see just how wrong this is, we only need to look at South Texas and Florida, not just like a South Texas and Florida, but just as important as the efforts offered by people of faith in the re- is the reason why they do what they do. The answer, of course, is, if I may paraphrase Senator Dianne Feinstein's anti-religious questioning of a judicial jo- nominee last week, that the dogma lives loudly in them. Well, thank God it does, or you'd probably have people dying because of these disasters. And it's that dogma that too many of the christophobe crowd wants to censor out and wants to silence and wants to nullify their influence. But who do they come running to? Who are they thankful for? Who can they not get the job done when there's a disaster? Okay? It's the it's the people that follow Christ. Does that mean all Christians are perfect? Of course not, but the ones but the ones that are quickest to respond. They've learned in the states are the faith-based organizations, the Christian organizations. They believe deeply in God and that people are made in his image, that God has been very kind and generous to them and ask of his people, if I might use the summary of all Christian dogma offered by Jesus Christ himself, that they love God with all they have and they love their neighbor as themselves. And they don't wait to find out what their neighbor, you know, what type of religion or faith or priorities or morality they're all about. Jesus said you love everybody, period. And if they come your way, if they come to faith in Christ, great, that's a bonus. But if they don't, we're still ordered to love people. And what do I mean by love? I, if you're just tuning in, I gave you a little bit of a hint of what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. Does your neighbor feel loved by you? Because if they don't, you're probably not cutting it. Or at the very least, does your neighbor does your neighbor know how much you appreciate them? Know how you're looking out for them? If you're non existent, chances are you're probably failing in this. And I don't mean to be condemning because a good, healthy prayer for people who follow Christ to pray is God, help me to be the best neighbor in this neighborhood. Help me make a difference in people's life. Your neighbor does not want to know about you. Don't preach at them, okay? It's not about when you preach the gospel, you, you don't have to use words. In fact, if you have not built some credibility, if you have not, if you have not. Been able to display by your your love and concern and your generosity and your kindness to your neighbors. Please don't open up your mouth about you following Christ because it's going to sound preachy and stupid. People don't care what you know, okay? They want to know you care. If you are a follower of Christ and you want to further the kingdom of God, get that on a plaque or write it on your on your Bible somewhere. People do not care what you know; they want to know that you care. And if you really, really care, and it's genuine, and if you care for them, whether they come to your church or not, whether they embrace your faith or not, if they know your care, you want to know something? They're going to open their hearts to you. And you may, you may just be able to see them embrace the, you know, the Savior that you embrace. Stone Street ends the article by saying, thank God that his people are everywhere. And for their deeply held dogmas that drive them to offer their time, their money, their talent, and their treasure to those in need around them. You never hear commentary like that in secular media, do you? Of course not. And it's so rare when it happens. I remember years ago, oh, it was about... Man, I brought it. I remember bringing it on the radio about twelve, thirteen years ago. Brian Stewart, you familiar like with that name? Brian Stewart was a pretty respected correspondent and newsperson on uh, on uh, CBC National News. In fact, there were occasions when Brian Stewart would even fill in for Knowlton Nash. I think as far back as that, and Peter Mansbridge. And I had no idea that Brian Stewart was. You know, there came a time in his life when he became. It was probably in the last five years of his career he became a profoundly devout follower of Jesus Christ. And if you go looking hard enough, you might be able to find this article. I remember bringing on the article and uh, and quoting. If you go online, you might be able to find the article of him talking about how blown away he was, and he would tell the story about how he, dis- how he covered disasters and suffering and monsoons and earthquakes and, you know, hurricanes and tornadoes and wars and terrorist acts. He was the CBC guy that went all around the world. Report- Brian Stewart for CBC News, you know, Afghanistan. I mean, he was everywhere. And he said the thing that blew him away that because, you know, he, it was a quick response reporting job that he had. You know, you want to be the first reporter that reports live from, you know, the disaster. He said, "Didn't matter where we were in the remotest places in the world, where we had to, you know, fight and, and 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 get to these places in some of the most rickety transportation and almost impossible circumstances, and you know, like visas, for instance, and security, and and for him to get to where this suffering was, just to report the news." He said, "Every time, and he, he was talking dozens and dozens and dozens of times. This happened every time. We were never the first there. The first ones there always." Always, always. Doesn't matter what the country was. Doesn't matter what the what the uh, uh, pre, uh, primary religion was. It didn't matter what the culture was. He said we were never there first. The first ones that were always there. Always, always, always helping the suffering, binding the wounded, digging wells, making sure people were getting food, making sure people were getting shelter. Was the Christians always, always, always. And after years of seeing this, because he was brought up in with a religious background, you know, a churchy thing and sing boring tunes and listen to irrelevant messages, but he got to know some of these people. And he said, "I realized that the Christian faith that I was raised in was pale compared to the reality of what I saw lived in the world, with these people doing what Jesus would do, and in a powerful way, and not complaining. And offering help and getting nothing out of it except knowing they're being obedient to their Savior. And that was the number, that was the primary thing that won him over. And that's where he embraced Christ and invited Christ into his life. And he's not a high profile guy. He's not the type of guy that, in fact, you probably wouldn't even remember. Well, I mean, if you Google him right now, Brian Stewart, you see a picture. Oh, yeah, it's that guy. I remember him, you know, if you're listening in Canada. You should read some of the stuff he put out. Powerful, powerful stuff. Really good stuff course, when he started writing like this, CBC didn't want to have anything to do with him, you know, and they would want to kind of like, you know, oh, yeah, he's kind of eccentric, you know, sweep his stuff under the rug. We don't want to promote that that much because, you know, we, we don't want to, you want to give these people that we're, that we're and to a great degree, they're fighting, you know, I mean, everything that a, a follower of Christ holds dear as far as morality, as far as family, as far as, you know, social behaviors being attacked and ridiculed now. 343 4390 That's 343-700-4390. 844 562 is the long-distance line. That's one 844 562 It's JC at Late Night Council. You can email me. You're running out of time, though. Okay, we don't have much time left in the program. And uh, you can tweet at me at JW Council. Now, I hardly ever go to the Late Night Council Facebook page. But uh, I I happened to uh, go over there and and Doug has posted something on the late night council uh, uh, Facebook page in response to um, Eric Metaxas uh, article Canada's obsession with the right to die that's the name of the article online now when I downloaded it and prepped for the show it wasn't called that I got another version of it from another website but uh, Doug has posted uh, the the uh, the site from. Uh, um, Breakpoint, which is the website, breakpoint.org, and the actual title is No Compassion for the Mentally Ill, Canada's Obsession with the Right to Die, and Doug's comment is, That Slippery Slope, Compassionate Death Squads on the Move. And that's exactly what they are. They call themselves compassionate, but it's a, it, it, we're headed the same way that Holland has gone in, like mobile death squads that go around and and you know they they can cut through the bureaucra- bureaucracy and they can do the deed whenever somebody explain, explain exclaims even in a in a uh, uh, with a bout of mental illness when they're weak you know I just want to die well we can do that for you right now here's the papers fill them out let's get it done right now you know why prolong the suffering. And they're actually selling this idea. This has got nothing to do with compassion for people that are suffering. It is a pro-death cult that presents itself in, oh, so compassionate, so progressive, so, oh, so kind. How could you argue with us, you know? I mean, you can't tell somebody that, you know, you can't control their life. Well, yeah, the person that we lead, that we follow, yeah, he is the author of life. In fact, he is more than the author of life. He described himself as life itself. That's what Jesus said. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even though they die, they will live again. I mean, there's no other religious in the world leader in the world in history that would have the audacity to say something like that. People would write you off as nuts. And yet that's exactly what Christ said. And some of us take him pretty seriously. I got another tune to play. Before you know, I'm going to come back, you know, I'm not ending it off yet, and, and, and still time for a call or two if you want to squeeze one in. And uh, people listen to the program know that I've always been a, a fan of the band Kansas. And uh, Kansas, if you know anything about them, they're kind of like a Christian band. When they were really popular in the 70s, when uh, Carry On Wayward Sun came out, which was their first big hit, and then Dust in the Wind came out. Uh, the guys that were writing for them, Kerry Livgren, Steve Walsh, and Robbie Steinhardt, Kerry uh, Livgren particularly was part of a cult that I don't even think is is even going still. It was called the Urantia cult, U-R-A-N-T-I-A. And a lot of the stuff that he wrote, particularly Dust in the Wind, all we are is Dust in the Wind, that was Urantia theology. And Kerry Livgren, in his life story, would tell you that he was lost spiritually, and it wasn't until he came to Christ that he realized what you know life was all about. And he has drifted in and out of the band over the years because not everybody in the band embraced uh, 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 faith in Christ. Dave Hope, the original bass player, left the band to go into full-time pastoring. He became a youth pastor. And they've had different personnel over the years. And uh, in the in the mid '80s, Steve Walsh, who was like you know addicted to coke and you know tipp- lived a typical rock star life, he couldn't handle the direction the band was going when Carrie Livgren embraced Christianity. So for for that reason, and a number of others, he left the band, and they brought in a guy called John Elefante. John Elefante was a very strong Christian, and. A lot of the music that they wrote back then didn't make it that, you know, you don't hear a lot of it because, like, the secular audiences, they weren't really ready for such blatantly overt and powerful Christian tunes. And I, I thought, you know, I want to bring, I want to play one of their tunes. If you like the band Kansas, you can tell it's Kansas and by the sound and everything. And this is a tune... Called Diamonds and Pearls. Okay. Listen to the lyrics. And if you really want to get, you really want to do some digging, you go online and type in Diamonds and Pearls, Kansas lyrics. Again, uh, a sermon and a song. Pretty powerful stuff. And I wouldn't be bringing this up, but I watched last week, last Saturday, a week ago yesterday, I had some friends over. We were watching some live concert footage of Kansas and Steve Walsh is you know they've gotten back together for reunion tours and everything i think i think they're finally retired they're not singing anymore cuz walsh's voice he can't hit the notes anymore but i was quite amazed that steve walsh is singing all these powerfully christian tunes that were written in that period when he left the band, and, and so I wonder whether more guys in the band have embraced Christ. I don't know. If somebody's got some inside info on that and you want to email me and let me know where Kansas is, I, not the place, but the band, I know Carrie Livgren has had a profound impact, and at the very least, the members who never did embrace Christ had a profound respect for, for Livgren's Christianity. So this is uh, this is Diamonds and Pearls this is Kansas you probably never heard this tune before okay but it's really good and the lyrics are they're exceptional okay and then we're right back after that stay with us Kind of got that, like, Saturday Night Live feel at the end of it there with the sax playing and everything. You can almost imagine the Saturday Night Live band playing that. That's Kansas. That's Kansas from the mid-80s. We're out of time. Drop me a line. I mean, I'm not back on live until next week, you know, and you can, once we get this uploaded to the uh, Late Night Council site, you know, you can kind of. Take the link and share it with your friends, and if you need to get a hold of us, okay, jc at latenightcouncil.com. That's the only email address I use, and you can find me on Twitter, and check out, listen, go to ChristChurchOttawa.com, because that's where my whole heart and soul is right now. That's the main reason I'm only doing radio one night a week, because uh, we're just having so much fun. And uh, you'll get a good window into what life at Christchurch is all about if you if you if you download one of the messages. Have yourself a decent evening. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, we're back live. We're back live uh, uh, next week at nine o'clock. Good night.